look at three scriptures. Three scriptures. I want to I stack some stuff for us. Uh, this is going to be a little bit more of a teaching message today. Um, I still may shout a little bit and get excited about a few points, but this is going to be a little bit more of a teaching message today because we have a lot of Bible. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, we've got a lot of Bible. We've got a lot of Bible. A lot of Bible. Do you like a lot of Bible? Hopefully you like a lot of Bible. So we've got to dig into a lot of different things. All right. So three, three pieces of scripture to kind of intro this message today. Philippians 1, 3 through 6, Philippians 2, 12 through 13, and Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I'm going to read all of them to you, and they'll be up on the screen behind me. It says this, I give thanks to my God for for, uh, for every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy for all of you in, in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure this, here's the, here's the point, that he who started a good work, every shout good work. Good work. For he who started a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed, so now not only my presence, but even more in my absence, work out. Come on, we shout work. Every shout out. Every shout work out. Work out your own salvation. <laughs> that one, your own. Ah, not somebody else's. <laughs> Can we just talk about it on the front side of this message today? Work out your own. Not somebody else's. Not your neighbor. Not your spouse. Not your friend. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is working there it is again in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose Philippians 3 12 through 14 not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus brothers and sisters I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it one thing I do forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus so this is Paul writing to the Philippians probably one of my most favorite letters in the New Testament Paul's writing this from prison and he's writing throughout this entire letter these these things to encourage the Philippian church to keep on working things out. And so today, as we begin our series in process, I want to speak to you from the subject, the God of process. The God of process. As we look at God using process in our lives to do his deepest and most significant work in our lives. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful. And that it transforms us from the inside out. And so I pray right now that you would speak to us, that you would teach us right now, that you would uh, once again bring the scalpel of your grace into our lives in order to remove what needs to be removed and to add what needs to be added. And God, right now, we just open our lives to you. We open everything that we are to you right now. Would you help us be in process? And so we thank you for this moment right now as you begin a good work We can trust you that you are faithful to complete it. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and the church shouted. Amen. Um, I've talked about this before, but I love building Legos with my my son. Um, And how many of you parents in here would understand this, that Legos, they get more and more complex? (laughs) <laughs> they, they, like insanely complex. And, and so we bought, as my son has grown, he's gotten like smaller boxes of Legos have transformed into bigger boxes of Legos until we've decided that we're no longer going to buy him any more Legos until he builds what we've already bought him. 
And this is why, here's the issue that we're facing right now is a little while ago, I think at Christmas, he got a bunch, of, a bunch of Legos, big Legos. And I was like, oh great, here we go. Another 55 years of building things. And so Justice opens the box and uh, he looks at all the bags because now they contain it in bags. It's not just like a bunch of Legos everywhere. It's in bags to kind of help you understand which bags you need to use to start building. So he pulls out all the bags and then he pulls out the instruction booklet, which is no longer four pages. It's 5,500 pages of sheer terror and chaos. And so just no joke, I'm sitting there with him and I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Let's see how this goes. And I'm like, are you excited for this, bud? Like, because I'm, I'm the cheerleader, right? Like, I'm always trying to get him pumped and excited. I'm like, dude, you so ready to build this Lego set? This is going to be awesome. He holds up the pamphlet with all the instructions and he goes, dad, there's a lot here. I was like, yeah, you wanted them. And he goes, and he looks at it, he thumbs through the instruction manual, and he goes, I'm out. <laughs> so I was like, no, 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 son, you can't give up, you can't give up, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta work through this, and then, this, and then I say the words to him, it is a process. It's a process. You're gonna build this thing, it is a process. So he goes, I had him hyped, and I was like, all right, good, that, that was good fathering right there. So he goes down into his room. I'm like, I'm not gonna help you. I, I, I want you, I want you to, to do it. You gotta work through the instruction manual, and you gotta figure this thing out. 15 minutes later, he comes by, he throws it back down to the table, and he says, Dad, can you just do it? <laughs> and I'm like, nope, not at all. And what was he fighting with? What was he working with? He was working through this issue of process. He was dealing with something that many of us get frustrated at. And here's the truth. Everything significant and worthwhile in our lives will always include a process. Come on, somebody. Everything significant and worthwhile in our lives will always include a process. And this is even more true when it comes to Jesus working in our lives. Process is the necessary tool required to develop in us everything required for him to work through us. Did you hear that this morning? Process is the necessary tool to build in us, to develop us in everything required for him to work through us. See, many of us want God to work through us. Here's the problem. We just haven't been developed enough for him to do that. And so if he were to work through us in the way that he wants to work through us in such a significant way, many times we would find ourselves in a position where we couldn't handle what he wants to do because we haven't been developed enough because many times we reject process. You ever been there before? We reject process. And this is the rub for many, if not all of us in here today. I would contend for humanity as a whole, process is not a desired reality for our lives. Come on, can I get an amen in church this morning? Can we all be honest in here today? We want product, not process. Everybody tap your neighbor and say, that's you, not me. <laughs> nah, don't do that. We want product, not process. But here's the thing. We can't have a finished product unless there's an intentional process. So we have to understand that process is the mechanism that God, in his goodness, uses to bring about the greatest refinement, growth, development, and change in our lives. Yet we tend not to see process as representing God's goodness. This is because we only designate goodness or affirm the goodness of God when we receive that which we want and desire. You ever been there before? My, my 
my application of God's goodness, I, I believe that God is good only when I get what I want. How <laughs> am I talking to somebody this morning? God is good only when I get what I want, but we wouldn't allow that to happen in the natural, would we? If my son came to me and said, Dad, can I please have a donut? And I said, no, son, you need to eat dinner first before you have donuts or dessert or anything like that. And he were to say to me, Dad, you are a horrible father. And I say, why? Well, because you didn't give me what I wanted. You had a different process in mind. See, because we as humans, we have a tendency to define goodness through our lens of want. (laughs) We define goodness based upon what it is that we desire. And if God doesn't give me what I want, how I want it, when I want it, if he doesn't do it my way, he's no longer a good God, he's a bad God. (laughs) But the truth is, is that God's goodness is seen and experienced in its greatest degree as we find ourselves in process. So I've built Legos with my son. Why? Because I'm a good dad. Then all right, dad. I'm a good dad. What? So what do I do? I sit with him and I do what? I work through the process. Is it possible that God's goodness is seen in the fact that he walks through process with us? That his goodness isn't because I get what I want when I want it, how I want it. His goodness is seen in the fact that he actually walks with me in the nitty and the gritty of the process. And it's a long process. It's a hard process at times. It's an arduous process. Come on, anybody in church love process? Some of us do. Some of us A, B people, we're good with this. We're like A, B, C, D. Okay, I can work with God about, but shapes and colors people in the church this morning? That's me. I hate process. So I'm like, God, like, can we just get there? And, and in order to get there, can I just go everywhere I want to go? <laughs> can I do it my way? And he's like, no, I got a process for you. God's goodness is experienced in its greatest degree when we find ourselves in process. If you're in process this morning, which all of us are, you actually have the greatest opportunity to experience God's goodness right now. The goodness of who he is. It is in process that we have the opportunity to experience his grace, come on, his love, his discipline, his power, and his spirit. So we have to learn to not just be okay with process, but we have to actually embrace it and welcome it. I gotta be like, God, bring it on, right? So now, we've established that God is in fact the God of process. The question then is this, why? How many, how many why people do I have in the house today? You'd like to know Why? Why? Why does God use process? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24 answers this for us. A big theological statement that Paul would make to the Thessalonian church. Chapter 5, 23 through 24, this is what he says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify you completely. How many of you know that completely is a word that indicates that there's a process involved? And may your whole, here it is right here, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who calls you is faithful. And then I love this part. He will do it. He'll do it. That's good news right there. He will do it. Because many of us are in here today believing that I have to do it. We have to do it. I have to work it out. I have to do these things. Ah, he said that the, the, the complete sanctification process, he will do it. Now, I'm going to explain what this big, gigantic word, sanctification, is. It's a bible word, big bible word. 
God uses process in order to bring about the greatest degree of completion or wholeness in our lives. And we call this sanctification. Now, as Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, his desire is for them to understand the nature and scope of this, of this word, sanctification. This big bible word simply speaks to two realities at work in our lives and what God wants to do through this process, separation and dedication. These two realities are worked out in our lives through the process of sanctification. So what is separation? Well, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Like I said, lots of Bible, and then we're going to get there. We're going we're to get to the practical aspect in a minute, but I just need to build the case for a moment. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. There it is right there. For his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In other words, process, this, this process of sanctification, a process as a whole, this is the desired outcome that we would find our place in a, our lives in a moment and a place of separation. I'm out of darkness and I'm in his light. So that's separation. Dedication, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, <laughs> How many love that we have promises on behalf of God? Since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. In other words, my life is now dedicated to Christ. So I've, I've, been, I've been separated, moved from darkness to light, and now I'm saying my life is, is in dedication to God. You know when I put a ring on it? What was I saying? My life is dedicated to my wife. Erica Parrish is who I am dedicated to. So when there's a temptation, nope, dedication. <laughs> right? When there's something that wants to shift my attention away from her, dedication. When in the back of my mind and in the back of her mind, when we're frustrated at each other and we start thinking about, man, maybe there's a better way than being together. Maybe it's separate. I say, ah, oh, I am dedicated to my wife. I am dedicated to this family. I have made a promise. This is the process of sanctification is God separating and saying, you are mine, now I want you to live your life for me. Come on, somebody. But it's hard. Bing! Come on, can we have therapy moment in here? How many of you would agree with me? But walking with Jesus is hard. Let, let's just be honest. Four of you. Okay, please tell me your secret. I just need to know. It's hard for me. <laughs> So here's the deal. Sanctification is the baseline why behind every process that we find ourselves in. God uses process to have this work completed in us. And the problem is that for most of us, we do not understand this part of having a relationship with God. And so over the course of this series, it's my goal to not only help us further understand why God uses process, but to help us understand the types of process that he employs, the types. (laughs) This is the part we hate. You're like, wait a second, types with an S. (laughs) You mean multiples? Yes. Not just one, two, three, four, five, twelve, hundred, fifty-five thousand different types of process. All the time, in process, working through different things. Now, we're not going to cover 55,000, but we may cover a lot in the series that you go, I'm smack dab in the middle of that process. I'm in that right. I'm in that right now. So we've got to understand the processes. However, there's a very significant role that we play when it comes to 
these processes being at work in our lives, and that is allowing them to have their complete work in us. In other words, we have to roll with it. Just roll with it. We have to get okay with God using process to develop us so that we can step into all that he has for us. See, my son would love it if he woke up in the morning and his entire Lego set was built for him and he could just play with it. The problem is, is that if dad did everything for him so he could just play with it, he would not understand and grow into a place of respect for what it is that he has. And many of us want to circumvent the process that God needs to do in our lives so that we can actually understand and be good with what he's giving us, be good with what he's doing in us. See, many of us want a perfect marriage and we want to avoid the work. Let's get quiet in church this morning. Right? Many of us want all of these amazing things and we say, God, give me this. God, give me that. I throw all these want prayers to him. And he says, no, no, no. If you want that, then be okay with working through a process. And we are like, no, no, I don't want process. I just want the, I want the product. And so in this series, in process, we're going to look at how God uses product. We've got to roll with it. We've got to allow him. Everybody say allow. I'm going to turn your neighbor and say allow him. Or turn your other and say, well, you do it. <laughs> so today what I want to do with the remainder of our time together in order to prepare us for the rest of this series I want to take a look at some decisions four decisions that we have to make today in order to work with and engage in the process of God for our lives and this is how I've, I've, I've wired these as I've made them I statements so if you're taking notes today I've made it so this is a statement you are writing down I have to decide does that make sense? So these are my decisions as well. Again, we say this all the time. We're not speaking from a pulpit of perfection around here. I've got to make the same decisions. And so let's look at these four decisions that I have to make. The first one is this, is I have to decide that my development is more important than my desires. (laughs) Some of us are like, can we just go back to Easter service last weekend? (laughs) Let's do the resurrection thing again. I have to decide that my development is more important than my desires. Watch this, James 1, 12 through 18. Blessed is the one who endures trials, process, because when he has stood the test, process, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say I'm being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own desire. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. See, so often we skirt development in our lives because we're more concerned with the fulfillment of our desires. And I've found that many times, Here it is, what I desire tends to work against that which God needs to develop in me. Come on, you ever been there before? That if you understand, if you understand the picture of it all, what I desire has a tendency to pull against what needs to be developed. And I find myself in this this weird space in between my desires and what God wants to do in order to develop me. And so the first decision, if we're going to walk through process, 
if we're going to be process-oriented people, if we're going to be a church of process, if I am going to be a man of process, if, if you are going to be a man or a woman of process, then I have to decide right now that development is more important than desire. Here's the truth. When we don't allow God to develop us, our desires tend to destroy us. It's getting quiet in church today. Is that up there? Here's the truth. When we don't allow God to develop us, our desires tend to destroy us. Have you ever gotten something before and then it destroyed you after you got it and you wish that you never received it? You ever been there before? There's this weird phenomenon for people who, a bunch of networks have done this before, for people who win the lottery. Everybody says they want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. If I could just have $562 million in one lump sum, everything's good. Do you know the statistics for people who win the lottery are insane when it comes to people who literally find themselves in bankruptcy after they've won these massive sums of money? Why? Because so much of what we want, our desires, tend to expose what hasn't been developed in us. Can I tell you something? That if your character is not good, if your integrity is not good, $55 million is not going to help you. Singles in the house. If our character and integrity has not been developed, and we're going to talk about this in this series, then that relationship that you want, the good thing that it could be could actually destroy you. And this goes for every single thing in our life. Why? When we don't allow God to develop us, our desires tend to destroy us. My son right now, I love him. He's growing, he's growing. He's just getting tall. Like, he's gonna be taller than me soon. It's insane. He's getting lanky. So he walks in sections. <laughs> like, <laughs> how, many, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? Everything like just, but a uh, leg, <laughs> right? So... <laughs> And I love him. I was hanging out with yesterday and he's like, hey dad, like you just kept an eye out. Hey dad, you want to go skateboard? Sure. I don't know how to skateboard, but we'll figure it out. And so outside skateboarding with him, doing all these different things. But part of his growing process right now is he's eating us out of house and home. Like grocery bill. Like I'm like, where did our food go? Erica's like, your son. Just food, consumption all the time, consumption all the time. But there's been this weird thing that's been happening in our house is that um, he'll go to bed at night and he feels sick to his stomach. And I'm like, buddy, what's, what's going on? So we were talking a little while back and this is the pattern that we started to see. He doesn't know when to stop eating. Some of us are like, I still have that problem. <laughs> so, so I was sitting downstairs with him and I was like, buddy, what's going on? He's like, dad, I just, this is what he said to me. He goes, um, it was a little while back. I made ribs, uh, smoked some ribs on a Saturday. And he goes, he goes, dad, the ribs are so good. I just had to keep on eating them. And now I feel sick. Why? Because there's the mechanism in him that has not been developed to know when to stop yet. And so we as parents, now I look at the food issue, okay, whatever. It's, it, it's one thing I got to teach them. They're like, don't eat yourself sick. But how many of you know that if I abdicate my responsibility as a parent to teach him the mechanism that says stop, we potentially have a different issue 15 years from now. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and what? Self-control. <laughs> we skip that one usually. We like all the other ones. What am I trying to do? As a parent, I'm trying to develop something in him. See, he's not yet developed the thing that overrides his desire. 
And what overrides our desire is the desire to be developed. I want to I be developed. I want to be developed. See, when we don't allow development to take place in our lives, we don't grow into maturity. We'll talk more about that in this series. See, God uses process to bring development into our lives, and we have to make the decision that development is more important than our desires. Come on, can we get a good amen in church this morning? Number two, shot number two. Second thing is this, is I have to decide that substance is more necessary than style. I'll explain that in a minute. That substance is more necessary than style. Watch this, Philippians 3, 1 through 8. In addition, my brothers and sisters, told you lots of Bible. Rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me. And it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evildoers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not, here it is right here, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although, and this is Paul right here, he's about to get like really braggy, getting really arrogant in this moment. He goes, although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. You ever been there before? I got reasons. <laughs> Me and my boy, we got reasons to have confidence in, in the flesh. He goes, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day. I don't know if that's like necessarily the thing I want to know about. Of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews regarding the law of Pharisee. In other words, I follow it to the T regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is the law, blameless. The dude says he's perfect. And he says, but everything that was gain, every shout gain, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything, everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing, the substantive value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. In other words, he says, I got a lot to be cocky about. I got a lot to be arrogant about. I got a lot to boast, and I can take some confidence in this flesh, but I've come to realize that there is far greater understanding in having substance in my relationship with Jesus than style. And I think sometimes we can do that. Christians are horrible at this. We got all the style, right? We dress it up good. How you doing today? Blessed and highly favored. <laughs> How you doing today? So good. How's life going? Good. How's marriage going? Perfect. How's your faith going? Blameless. <laughs> like you have no bad days? I mean, I've had some. I spilled my coffee the other day. It's bad. Boss loves me. Friends love me. I love me. <laughs> Want to be a Christian? Nope. Uh-uh. Nope. Why? Because I'm definitely not that. See, the second decision I have to make is I have to decide that substance is more necessary than my style. Substance. What is substance? See, when we're in process, it's messy. And many of us tend to stay away from process because we're concerned with the way that it looks. <laughs> the way that we look, if we're really honest about it. We have to decide that development of substance is far greater than the maintenance of style. Check this out. Brokenness is not always pretty, but it's worthwhile. Uh, we had our staff over at our house the other day, just letting you into my world. Staff over at our house the other day, we were having um, 
our, our staff meeting, and then we have a pastor's meeting afterwards. And so I hijacked the bathroom and uh, ran in there really quick before the meeting. And so Sarah needed to go as well. And uh, so she went downstairs and I heard, Erica's like, just go downstairs. And in the bathroom that I was in, I yelled, no! <laughs> Why? Because I know what the bathroom looks like downstairs. It's awful. It's my kids' bathroom. And so we dare not walk down the stairs. I dare not open that door. We shut it. Like I walk past it at night. I shut it. Don't want to look at it. I don't want to do it. You know, it's funny as we do that as Christians. We try to make everything. We try to manage our look. We try to manage how things go. We try to manage. And so we're, we're our life is hell driving up to the parking lot and we get out of the car. Oh, Christian face on. Here we go. How are you doing today? Good. So good. <laughs> Come on, you ever been there before? Right? Guys, we especially do it, and the wife's behind us going, mm-mm, uh-uh, uh-uh. Kids are ragged. <laughs> He's got shorts on his head and a t-shirt his pants. <laughs> Brokenness is not always pretty, but it's worthwhile. See, when we're constantly trying to maintain an image, a persona, in effect, an alter ego, we then miss the earth-shattering substance-defining work of God in our lives. The greatest substance of faith that has ever been developed in me and my experience is by me being in a broken place before God. That is where my faith is developed. That is the crucible of grace is when I am broken and I am hurting and I'm walking through these things. It's in that moment that I've got to define for myself and decide I need substance, not style. See, worship, oh, I love this part. Worship is the purest when broken. Prayer is the deepest when broken. The word of God is the loudest when broken. Jesus is the closest when I'm broken. Can we stop trying to put it all together? Come on, can we decide right now that we walk into this place? Man, how's everything going for you? This week's been hell. Can we say that? I'm, st- I'm standing here, aren't I? I walked through the doors. My worship is, is impassioned, not because I'm perfect, but because I'm broken. I have found when I am maintaining my alter ego of perfection, my arms are crossed during worship. I got to keep it. I got to keep Cool. I might give a sway. But when I'm realizing how broken I am and in need of Jesus, wing. I got to put them arms up. We think this is performing. <laughs> this isn't performing. This is broken. It's closed off. How many of you know? I've watched you. I try to go hug you when you walk in the doors. And this is your reaction. What are you saying? Don't touch me, dude. Don't come close to me. I want to maintain. Everything's good? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Am I talking to anybody this morning? I gotta make I gotta make some decisions. So I've gotta decide that substance is more necessary than style. I gotta get moving. Number three, every shot number three. Third one is this. I have to decide that transformation is more fulfilling than temptation. Whoa. 
I have to decide that transformation is more fulfilling than temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 13, these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages has come. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has come upon you except that which is common to humanity. In other words, we got to stop, stop judging each other for the things that we're going through because it's common to humanity. You ever notice that we have a tendency to give grace to those who struggle with the same things that we do? Yet we judge those who don't. Right, right. Right? So, so uh, Devon and I, we have severe pride problems. <laughs> we are some of the most prideful people on the planet. And we know that about ourselves. We know that. So this is what we do. Bro, I got you. It's, it's good. Pride brothers. So Seth, dude, he's got anger issues. That guy's jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> haven't, haven't we done that? We're good. We'll give grace. We'll extend grace to where I'm weakest at. Right, right. But then we give judgment to those who are weaker in other areas because we don't understand it. Right. We don't understand the temptation. It's common to humanity. It's common to humanity. That's what Paul is saying. So listen, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, watch this, he will provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. This is the proverbial fork in the road. Do I choose transformation or do I choose temptation? Process brings us to moments of great transformation if we will allow God to do it. But if I'm honest, if we're honest, where there's the potential for transformation, temptation is right there to distract us. You ever been there before? Why isn't that when we're trying to press into Jesus more than ever before, temptation to seem, seems to be right at its greatest? It's relentless in our lives. Have you ever found out that when you tend to give in to temptation, it never truly gives you what you thought it would? Yet when I give in to God, his plans, his will, I am transformed and find myself experiencing a satisfaction that nothing else has ever given me. God's transformative work in our lives is the most fulfilling experience we can and will ever have. To literally be made new. Daily is the greatest truth that we can ever experience. Here's the deal. We all want to be healthy in our bodies, don't we? We want, we want health. Many of us will hop online or be in a supermarket and we'll see a magazine that, that tells us this is what you should look like if you're fit and healthy. And then you quickly go like, nope. So there's infomercials and... Like, I want to look like Jacoby over here. Guy's arms are the size of my thighs. Like, I, can we just replace? <laughs> but I know Jacoby's regimen. I know what he does. We've sat at lunch and we've talked about it. What do you do? How do I look like you, Jacoby? And he's like, bro, that's not possible. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement, man. <laughs> I think you've literally said that too. <laughs> No, uh-uh, passed you a long time ago. <laughs> See, I figured out my problem, why, why I can't look certain ways, why, why I can't do certain things. And I'm just being like brutally honest. I'm not willing to pay the price. I may not be able to look like Jacoby, but I could get well on my way. Why? By making decisions. The problem is this thing called food. <laughs> Come on, can I get a witness at church today? 
We all want transformation. Few are willing to ignore temptation. We all want transformation. Few are willing to ignore temptation. So we have to be crazy about it. We have to be dogmatic about it. The last one is this, number four. We shot number four. I have to decide that grace is more sufficient than gain. <laughs> I have to decide that grace is more sufficient than what I gain. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. We've just walked through a lot of scripture. These are not my opinions. This is what the Bible says. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. This is Paul wanting something. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ for when I am weak I'm made strong I have to decide that his grace is more sufficient than what I can gain from him through him by him or myself so we have to believe Jesus and the grace offered to us in and through him is enough for our lives here's the question is Jesus enough is grace enough or have we made the decision that it, it, it's grace plus miracles? Grace plus healing. Grace plus that relationship. Is God's goodness only seen in grace plus? Or do I see the goodness of God in and through the sufficiency of his grace? Grace, if you don't give me anything else, you've given me you. If you don't give me anything else, you gave me the cross. If you don't give me anything else, you came out of the grave. If you don't give me anything else, you are enough. Is Jesus enough? we can make these four decisions as we get ready to walk through this series in process we can make the decision every single week all right i'm in process come on i'm in process i ain't perfect i'm just in in process i'm limping this week but come on somebody i'm in in process life has been going nuts but i am in process i will never reach perfection but i am in process i'm not where i used to be but i'm still in process i'm putting one foot of the other. Why? Because God is the God of process. He's the God of process. So as we get ready to walk this series out, I pray that this series is a process for every single one of us. That we came in here today, we will leave this series different. Why? I'm in process, baby. I'm in process. Come on, I got anybody at church this morning who's glad to be in process. Anybody trust Jesus in the process?